0: Hi, everyone. Welcome, Welcome to Gospel, Gospel Gals. Gals. I'm Jess. And I'm McKenna. And, and we're, we're here, here to, teach to teach you to faith it till you make it. it. Woo! Woo! <laughs> we have a great episode
1: today. We have a special guest, Lydia Ingeman, here woo, 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 to talk woo, woo, about woo. some things with us. We're so excited. We're so excited. It's May, so it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. So we thought it'd be good to talk about different mental health things. We had Sadie on last
0: week, and this week we have Lydia. Another one of my sister-in-laws. I'm just getting all of them in. I'm just going to have all of them be on the podcast. They're all so (laughs) amazing, so we're so grateful that they've... Done it with and us. And that they're willing to share their experiences and stories with us. But Lydia's amazing. She is married to my husband's older brother Cole and they've been married for five years. Four almost four and a half. Four Ooh. and a half. Okay. I was like twenty, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and she had her baby girl Andy a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. Last sup- no, two yep, yeah. last September. So last a year, September. She's a year and and she is like the cutest. Yeah, little girl she's ever. the <laughs> cutest baby. She's so, so cute. Too. I have yeah, I love her. She's I like so cry cute. when I think about Andy because I love her so much. Yeah. <laughs> But Lydia's awesome. She's such a great example to both of us, and we're really excited to hear her story uh, about, you know, her story. So she's going to tell us about it. (laughs) Say Um, hi. (laughs)
2: Hi. So I'll just, like, introduce myself a little bit. So I am 26. Um, Like she said, I am married to um, her husband's older brother, Cole. We've been married for four and a half years, have a cute, cute baby. Um, I'm from Pleasant Grove, and I've lived here my whole life. Such a good town. Um, and so I'm just going to dive into my story about my eating disorder. And I had it for four, almost five years. Um, it, I'll go into some detail, and it's... I, I, just, I just think that there's a lot of girls who struggle with it, but they don't talk about the details. I no, they so, don't.
0: Um, it's a lot more common than people think.
2: Yeah, and some of this will get kind of, um, I don't know, nasty. Like like gross and dark and scary but I want to bring it up just because it it is real and I think that um, it just shows that there are some dark influences that can have power in our lives and and so yeah I'll just jump into it so when I was um, a freshman in high school um, I well I'll give a backstory so It's important to know that when I was, like, growing up, I had a lot of digestive issues. Jess knows about this. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of, like, joint pains because of it and really bad skin. I had, like, flat warts all over my Mm. face for, like, my whole ninth grade year and would go to school and just have such bad stomach pain and, like, would call my mom, Mom, come check me out. My stomach hurts so bad. So there were some underlying, like, chronic conditions that kind of plagued me from, like, infancy to... Mm.
0: And you still like you still struggle. And I with still those struggle things. with those yeah,
2: things. Yeah, and it's it's a huge part of my story. So, um, when I was a freshman, um, I went and saw a doctor um, who was like, um, "Hey, I you have some of the symptoms that my um, daughter has, and it sounds a lot like celiac disease. So, how about you just go off of gluten for?" two weeks so I went off of gluten and it like it was amazing it, it changed my life all of my symptoms started going away my skin got better um my joint pain was gone um I could find like my I had a distended belly like most of my life mm-hmm. and suddenly I wasn't bloated and wow. I lost 30 pounds in a month
0: wow. wow I lost
2: 30 pounds in a month and this is as a freshman So, um, my narrative kind of, um, began with, hey, everyone, like, I I just cut out gluten, like, this, now my health is in order, and look, like, I just have a lot, I'm just not bloated anymore, like, I'm losing weight, and so, um, that was how people perceived me for, um, like, as I started to lose weight. So, anyways, I would, I was always playing soccer, always active, during just the high school soccer years um, I remember starting my it was the summer before junior year and we were just doing our summer training and I finally could like run for miles and it didn't hurt my knees Aww. like I could I could just <clears throat> run forever and I was like this is incredible <laughs> so after soccer practice we'd have like a two-hour practice and then I was like, wow, I'm not worn out anymore. Like this used to wear, wear me out. I can keep running. So it started just really simple. Like I would run a mile after soccer practice, just around the track. Um, and all the other girls on my team, were like Lydia, you're crazy. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. And I think I told them like I just want to. I want to be the best. Like I want to mm-hmm. be able to. Out- and you finally everyone. felt
0: good enough to do and that. I, yeah. yeah,
2: I felt amazing. Um, so then after I don't know, it just it escalated and after every soccer practice it would be two miles then it'd be three miles and sometimes I would go home after soccer practice eat an apple and then I would go up on our stationary bike and bike for an hour and then sometimes it would be I would I don't know if you guys know what uh, Turbo Fire is, but it's just, like, a kind of a hit online video thing. Oh, fun. <laughs> and I would do that for an hour after I already had two-hour soccer
1: practice. Why Why did you do that so much? Did you just feel good, like, exercising that much? Or did you just want to get so, really good for soccer? Like, what was motivating that? Yeah, at first it was just this
2: mentality of, like, I'm going to be the best. I feel I feel so good, like I'm I'm going to outrun everyone. Gotcha. And I played a midfield in soccer and like an outside wing. Mm-hmm. And so they just were heavy running yeah, positions. Yeah. And so and I, I'm really competitive. And so I was like, I'm just going to be the best. I'm, there's not gonna be anyone who can outrun me. So that's that's how that all started. And then um I kept getting skinnier and skinnier and it if anything, it just made it easier to run. I was so light I could literally Mm. just run forever um so in um and at this time like school had started and I remember um people at school were really concerned about me so um my I had a psychology class and the psychology teacher was in my ward and he was also um my former soccer coach And I remember there was a week that we were talking about eating disorders, and he was, like, in front of the whole class. He's like, Lydia, for instance, like, is really skinny, but she just has this gluten intolerance, and so she's not anorexic. And I was like, oh, this is just, like, an interesting thing. But then I started, as we were watching, like, these documentaries and things in class, something in the back of my mind was like, I I relate to that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I can really relate to this. So it got to the point where um, my eating was like super clean and restrictive too. And I think that that's what this diagnosis of just being really intolerant to gluten did to me is that I, I had to restrict my diet. So for breakfast, I would just eat like a yogurt and a banana. And then at school, I would last the whole school day on like a granola bar. And then I would have two-hour soccer practice, and I would come home and, like, I remember getting so mad at my mom if she didn't have dinner ready by 6 p.m. because I couldn't eat after... I had to be done eating by 7 p.m. Like, Mm. I would not eat anything after 7 p.m. because I needed, like, three to four hours to digest my food. There were just all these rules that I started putting in place with myself. Um, Rules of, like, I couldn't eat grains because grains made me feel sick, and... Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't ever have fats. Mm-hmm. Like, I would never let myself eat butter on toast. Or if I would make my salad, it would literally just be lettuce
0: and salsa. And, like, this. this Do you think that that kind of... That your relationship with food was kind of skewed because it didn't make you feel good a lot of the times? Yeah. Do you think that definitely, yeah. like, because you were eating food feeling crappy, uh-huh. and then finally you're feeling better... I mean, do you think that definitely played a huge? No, I,
2: I definitely think so, and it, so that was the catalyst to all these issues, and I think I was able to hide some of these behaviors from myself and from my family because the excuse was, "Well, I just all these unhealthy foods just make me feel sick," mm. and so my like my sisters and my mom were all just like. You know, they would almost justify it in public when people were like, wow, like, Lydia's lost a lot of weight. They'd be like, yeah, but she just, like, she just has this diagnosis, and she just needs to eat mm-hmm. really clean. And I was just like, yeah, like, keep telling them that. And um, so, again, like, people started to get really concerned. My mom was concerned because I just kept dropping weight. And she would come, I don't know, so she was getting ready for bed. And she would hear me in the exercise room, like, on a bike, and it's 10, 10.30 p.m. Oh, my gosh. And so she'd come, she'd be like, Lydia, what the heck are you doing? Like, get off the bike, go to sleep. And I would be like, Mom, I'm bloated. Like, I just, I need, to, like, exercise to just not be bloated. My stomach hurts so bad. Like, I need to, mm. I want to do this before I go to sleep. And I think she, after a few times, she's like, okay, hey, this is, this is bull crap. Like, yeah. I don't believe you anymore. So, there was a doctor that we um, went to who was just like, Lydia, you're anorexic, and I, yeah, that was the first time. I was like, Oh, I know. <laughs> like finally, yeah. I was like kind of a relief because you yeah. kind of knew
1: in the back of your mind. Yeah, that and I was just it so was a like af-
2: I was just so afraid to tell anyone. Um. So my mom, she came in the room after. It was just kind of a one-on-one conversation with me and this doctor, and she came in the room after. And the doctors like do you want to tell your mom so I was like yeah mom I'm anorexic <laughs> and she's like okay like I kind of figured but um, like let's just let's just work on it let's get you healthy so this doctor told me to start eating 5,000 calories a day Wow. and at the time I was oh this I guess this is another part of just the, the restriction so I would log every single calorie into my fitness pal, I was so obsessed with logging and tracking. Um, and another side note, so when I would work out at night after soccer practice, I would be either like walking on our treadmill at like the highest incline as fast as I could go, or I'd just be on the stationary bike. And I would be reading books like "Eat This, Not That," mm. um, or like this book that was called "The Calorie King," which was basically a guide that just broke down the calories of every single food. Um, or I would be on my phone on like women's health magazine or fitbee.com. And it was just describing like, these are all the foods that you should eat for weight loss. These are all the foods that make you fat. And that just became like truth to me. So anything that was said in these articles, I was like, oh yeah, like I'm never going to eat those foods again and I'll only eat these foods. So, um, where was I before that? You, you told your mom about. Yeah. Yes. So I had to start eating the five thousand. The five thousand, yeah. And because I had been so restrictive and I had all these rules now on food, it was, it was so hard. So he's like, Lydia, you need to be eating like cubes of butter. You need to be eating Snickers bars. Like, stop eating all the vegetables oh, wow. and the protein you've been mm-hmm. eating. You're not going to get enough calories from that. He's like, at this point, you're going to have cardiac arrest on the soccer field. <sighs> you could die. He's like, you're probably never going to be able to have children if you don't get your weight up. Wow. Well, and so a lot of this was just like, wow, like this is such a wake up call. You didn't, didn't realize, realize yeah, yeah. <laughs> how much it was affecting and how serious <laughs> no. it was. No. And that was the, I don't think a lot of people No, that. And that was that. probably yeah. like the worst thing to hear that, oh, Lydia, you're not going to be able to have kids. No. Like that to me was one of the hardest things to hear just because I like
1: every woman, you know, Once, dreams of yeah. that. I think it's so interesting how it started as something good, really. Yeah. I mean, it started how you were feeling bad from things we were eating before, and you started to feel good when you cut some stuff out, which is healthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're intolerant to gluten, and that's a healthy thing to be yeah. able to cut out. Uh-huh. But that, and then you were competitive, so you wanted to do well in soccer, and that's a <laughs> yeah. good thing
0: too, you know? Yeah. Like, it's good to want to well, be... Well, I feel like it can show, like... Like, the, the, the moderation of things, how it can be a good thing. Yeah. But, but if, if it goes to extreme, the extreme, it's bad. Yeah. Not just in eating, but, like, in personality traits. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, if it's yeah. the extreme. I just think it's interesting how it, it did
1: start from yeah. a place where it's like, yeah, that is a good thing, but... Yeah. And you should feel good. And she was yeah. feeling better. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. When I had... So, I got down to 85 pounds. Wow. Oh, my and God. And I should not be 85 pounds. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm 5'7", um... Wow. I play a lot of sports, so, like, I I should just be a lot heavier than that. But, so, I was 85 pounds. I remember going to school and being cold all the time. I did not have any body fat on me. Um, And I remember third period before lunch was, like, the worst because I was so cold. My butt had been sitting on a chair all day that, like, I could literally feel my tailbone on the hard chair. Like, I was just, I was literally skin and bones sitting on a chair. And I was so hungry but I just, I wasn't going to eat school lunch, so it was basically like, I'm just going to survive on this protein bar or this, like, little granola bar until mm-hmm. the end of soccer practice. Like, it was just so unhealthy and, and scary. Um, so anyways, I started trying to eat more, and um, by doing so, I, I started to notice that I was gaining weight, and I hated it. I, mm. um, like, people. People had told me, I don't know, they just made comments like, oh, Lydia, you look so good, like, I wish I had your legs. Um, yeah. And, like, they weren't, at the time, they would have no idea that they it was, like, to my detriment. But it, it stuck with me. I'm like, oh, this is, I've now, like, reached my, like, climax of beauty. Like, I look so good right now. Mm-hmm. And so when... I started to gain weight. I'm like, people aren't making these comments anymore. Mm. And I, like, I just read into it way too much. So, I remember after, um, I don't know, just eating. I I think it was a team dinner where all the moms bring, like, pasta and salad. And you just, like, carb up yeah. before a soccer game. It was the night before. And I always, like, brought gluten-free pasta. But I just had eaten too much at one of these team dinners. And... I came home and I just felt so sick and I was like, like, I miss just being, I just m- miss feeling light and like I could run so <laughs> I i remember going on a rampage in my house trying to find epicac which is just the medicine that like makes people throw up if they've mm-hmm. like swallowed poison or something yeah. so I went on this rampage, just where's the epicac and I probably spent two hours, no lie going around my house, I'm like I know I've seen it before, where is it I didn't want to ask my parents because they that's would, suspicious. Yeah. Like, why the heck do you need EpiCac? And I couldn't find it. So I remember Googling, like, a home remedy to make yourself throw up. And one thing that came up was mustard seeds. And so I got, my mom had some mustard seeds in the pantry, so I got mustard seeds. Like blended that up with some water and I drank it and it was so disgusting But I just felt like I needed to just relieve some of this food, all this food that I had eaten. So I drank it and like nothing happened. I couldn't get myself to throw up. So then I'm just in the bathroom and I just start heaving, like just trying to force this up. I never use a toothbrush or anything. Like I think I maybe used my finger to try Mm -hmm. to get stuff to come up. And finally, like I I threw up and I was like, wow, like I feel so much better and I wish I would have never done that. Because mm-hmm. the the next um two and a half years I was like that just kind of triggered this whole bulimic stage. So, um at first it was like, oh well, I'll just eat a normal size meal and then I'll make myself throw that up. And then it got to the point where I couldn't it was too hard. It was too hard to get myself to throw up. Um but I found that the more I ate the easier it was to throw up, and so I would start, like, what my, I would make sure that all of my family was out of the house, this would usually be um, me coming home from school, my parents are gone, my sister, my younger sisters are still in school, I have, like, an hour to just eat everything, (laughs) so we, we would usually have ice cream in our freezer, and it was, I just found that Like, the fattier, softer foods came up the easiest. So I would get a whole gallon of ice cream. I would fill it with, like, potato chips, Nutella, peanut butter, and just, like, mash that up and just, like, eat a whole gallon of ice cream. And then I would feel sick, and then I'd just go throw it up. Um, There were other things of, like, I would would just get... um, at this point, it was, like, I just need stuff to fill myself. I don't care if it con- c- contains gluten or not. Mm. So I'd just get grandma sick and more bread and put peanut butter so. and Nutella and, like, melt cream cheese on it so it was just soft and fatty and it would just, like, come up. And it got to the point where, like, eating actually gave me a high. Like, it was – it became an addiction and I got a lot of relief from it. Um, and if I couldn't – if, I, if the food wouldn't come up easily the first time, I would sit in the bathroom and I would just fill up this little cup with hot water. And I would drink, just drink hot water because the hot water made it, like, come up easier. And I would just fill my stomach with hot water mm. and then just, <laughs> you know, purge and purge until it all came up. Um, and it was, it was, you know, I would get this little high from eating all this food and then you purge it all out and then you have this... Sore throat, you have the worst migraine because you've just put all this like pressure up into your head. And I was empty, I just wanted to sleep, and then I would wake up, I'd be starving, and the whole thing would just like cycle again Mm -hmm. and again. And I did a lot of self reflecting at this time because I'm like, why am I doing this? And I don't think, like, honestly, I don't think a lot of the issues stemmed from being insecure about my body, I think a lot of it was just control. Like, I had been so restrictive, and now I just didn't know how to be normal again. I didn't... It was like I... Polar l- ends yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. So I just was, like, let loose of all this control, and now I couldn't... Yeah, I couldn't rein it back in. And I... Uh, so after just so many days of, like, throwing up... So this was my senior year, so I got... I was, like, orthorexic, anorexic... Um, my junior, yeah, most of my junior year, senior year is when the bulimia happened, and I would have a a culinary internship at Thanksgiving point in my my first period of the day, and then I would have to go back to school for, like, the next three periods, but I would come back for my culinary internship, have a little, like, have 20 minutes at my house, and if I got into a bulimic, like, binge and purge cycle, I would... I just would not want to go to school the rest of the day. Mm. So I was, I already had, like, senioritis and did not want to go to school. But then you add this on top of it. And, like, I literally just didn't want to see people. I just wanted to eat and throw up and sleep and eat and throw up and sleep. Um, And it just, it got really bad. And I hated myself. Like, I, I just was depressed. And my, all of my best friends had graduated a year before me. So they were off to college. And I just felt alone. I had like two two best friends there, but they they didn't have any idea what was going on. Um, so anyways, one one day over the toilet, <laughs> I remember <laughs> like hearing what I, I still to this day just feel like was Satan laughing at me. And just like being so pleased that he like I was just captive. I had chains around me. I was just so yeah, just like cap captivated by this addiction this mental illness um it was really hard so that's kind of like the the bad of the bad i don't know if yeah there's any questions that you want from there
0: but i mean do you feel like when you heard that 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 made you want to make a change that you were ashamed that you would let yourself get to you know get to that yeah yeah, one was a
1: changing point yeah so
2: um It took, it still probably took two, two and a half years to, of just wanting to change, but I still couldn't. So, um, I guess like the, the story kind of goes on where I, um, had a, a soccer scholarship to play, um, yeah, soccer down in Colorado. All my friends were on their missions. I needed something to just like occupy my time. I felt like leaving Utah would be, like, just getting away from my family. Just getting a new start. Like, if I could leave my home, maybe things would get better. So, I went down to Colorado. Everything was great for that soccer season. Um, I finally had things in control. It was really easy to control it. The binging and purging during soccer season because I needed to fuel myself to be able to play soccer. And if I threw up, I just wouldn't have the energy to play. Yeah. So... Um, so once the season ended, um, it got really bad again. So we had a cafeteria, that's where we would eat all of our meals. And I remember I would just, like, eat so much, like, as much as could be justified by just a college athlete. Like, oh, I need it. like, I can eat two big plates of food and, like, it'll be fine. I'll burn it off at practice. So I'd, um, eat that food and then there was always a soft serve ice cream machine so I'd get soft serve ice cream go back to my dorm room eat it all and then if I couldn't throw up I would go into my uh, my roommate had like this junk bin underneath her bed just full of like little Debbie stuff and peanut butter and oatmeal and I would just steal like I would steal her food while she wasn't there and I'd eat it and then I'd go into the bathroom and just throw up um, it was just, so, like, I hated it. I hated every second, and the thing that was probably the hardest is just how, um, secretive I was about all these behaviors. Um, I was stealing people's food, and I did this to my parents, too. I didn't have a job. I couldn't just go out and buy all my own food, so I was literally yeah. just stealing, like, if my little sisters had, um, Halloween candy, or if they was just ice cream, like, I would just literally go eat everything and just... Rummage the house and like everything until I could just feel like I could then throw up. So the same thing was happening to roommate. I was just stealing all her stuff and nobody ever said anything to me. So I'm like, oh, well, like I must be hiding it. Um, but yeah, I don't know, nobody ever said anything. So I'm like, okay, this is good. But um, around, so in October of that semester down at school, this is when the mission age change happened. I was already 19 and when President Monson made that announcement I'm like oh great like I am this is I need this like this is exactly what I want to do um my patriarchal blessing told me I'd go on a mission so it was just like this perfect ticket away and there were some other things happening down at school that weren't really good for me There were just like situations with mm-hmm. boys yeah. and like drinking and all the stuff that I like just didn't need to be around so, I went on my mission and was, again, really good for a while. Like, when you move in with new people, it's easy to, like, kind of keep these behaviors
1: at bay because you don't want to embarrass yourself. Like, they may get suspicious. Were you underweight at this point? Because I feel like now it's really hard to go on a mission if you're really over-underweight. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, was that an issue? No. So, I get... Okay. So,
2: I, I do need to talk about the, the weight. Um... So I was 85 pounds at my lowest, and then I, I – during this bulimia stage, I gained a lot of weight. Really? Yeah, so um, the heaviest I ever was was during this bulimia thing. And I think it's just because you're eating so much, and your body is absorbing those calories, even though you're, like, getting rid of it. It doesn't – you don't get rid of everything. So I was just eating insane amounts of food that there's no way my body could have getting rid of, gotten rid of it. So, yeah, I was – I was pretty. I mean, I wasn't overweight, but I looked heavier than I ever had been before. Mm-hmm. So going on a mission was not an issue because mm-hmm. I looked fine.
1: Yeah, um, you looked healthy. And I
2: bet. yeah, and nobody asked me about an eating disorder before I went on my mission. I think that they do that now, but back yeah, then really. they just didn't. Interesting. Yeah. So I got I got on my mission. Um, I served in Des Moines, Iowa. And everything was fine um, in the MTC. And my trainer, um, she had opened up to me like the first day that she was also like anorexic and kind of struggled with some things. And I was like, oh my gosh, like Heavenly Father, bless me with a perfect trainer. This Mm -hmm. is why we're supposed to be together. So it was really easy for me to be strong because we both just kind of bonded on that. Um, And then everything was good most until like seven months in and this is when we started doing like double dinners and would be invited to parties and there'd just be like buffets of food at like some of these ward parties and I overate like a couple times and it was just like oh like I remember how to get rid of this Mm -hmm. and I would I just started throwing up at the end of the night like while my companion was getting ready for bed um so that Yeah, just once that came back on the mission, I felt like I didn't have the spirit with me as much. Um, How can you be telling investigators that like they need to break their addictions when you can't even break your own? Yeah, I just felt really bad about bad about myself. So, it was um, one sister that I went on an exchange with, um, who. I don't really remember how this came up, but she was type 1 diabetic, and we just got in a conversation about, like, the flesh and, like, the natural man and just the, like, how hard it is to just be a human on this earth with, like, all these, like, illnesses that we, that we get. Um, and I actually want to share this because this, this is actually what, like, saved my life. Wait, I want to no, you're good. Oh, a good <laughs> um... Let me take a deep breath because sometimes I forget to (laughs) read. So this is... It's called The Struggle for the Soul. And it's by Elder um, Melvin J. Ballard. And he basically talks about how Satan has always um, tempted us based on like the lusts and the appetites of the flesh. And um, it's because we are made of, I want to find the exact quote, um, this unredeemed earth. So because we are made of, you know, the dust of the earth and it's not yet redeemed, Satan has power over the earth and like literally the flesh of our bodies. And it's going to be a constant battle our whole lives because we are fighting, you know, like the enemy of our soul. And it talks about all these like scriptures, how, satan when christ was fasting for 40 days how uh, satan came to tempt him and it was with bread and it was with power and like being a ruler over the earth and and all these things and and christ of course had the power um to do it but anyways in this talk it just there's the question of like how are you doing with this battle how are you doing with um yeah fighting the the battle of your own flesh like the the battle between your spirit and the natural man. And it's like, oh, <laughs> like, I'm losing. I'm really, really losing this battle, and it sucks. And there, there honestly had been multiple times where I would just be hunched over the toilet, and I'm, I, I can, I swear, I can just hear Satan laughing at me. And I think it was just after reading this it's like i don't want to lose the battle anymore i hate satan um and like i just yeah i don't want him to have power over me anymore so it it kind of turned on this fire and you like i said i'm competitive and there was no way I was gonna let Satan run my life anymore. So it's
1: probably a good analogy yeah. for you to yeah. be like, you're yeah. losing. You're like, you're no, losing. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna. This yeah. is losing. Yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> when I remember reading a scripture, I can't remember the exact reference now, but I think it's in Second Nephi, and it just talks about how, um, you know, Satan. It, you know, shake off. It just says like, shake off the chains by which you're bound, and like the devil that holds you captive, and that that scripture just like changed. Just lit this fire, like I said in me, Um, I I was a mission. I was like at the peak of spirituality. I was reading my scriptures every day, praying every day, um, but like for some reason that this this these chains were still so strong. So it took some fasting. I fasted on my mission a lot just to like get in tune with the spirit again to just overcome the flesh and. At first, I was worried that that would kind of put me back into like a restrictive thing, but it didn't. It Like there is mm. there is power in fasting and when you're doing it with prayer. So it got me to the end of my mission. I served my whole mission. Um, I came home and I really, really wanted to be good. Um, but there were some, I got back to, you know, you, you've returned to your old home. where you had really bad habits and I kind of relapsed again and i was like oh man i'm so weak like Mm -hmm. i just hated how weak i was um so i just i i kind of knew what worked i just needed to remember that fasting helped me and that like i i could get over it before there were months where i could go where i wasn't struggling so i needed to do again um at this time i had been reunited with all my best friends um cole was one of them and people who are listening to this may know like me and Cole's history, but I always wanted to marry Cole. Um, so he was there and we had to overcome some other obstacles before we could actually start dating. But Cole saved my life and I will try not to get too emotional, but, um, I just like really needed love and I needed someone to distract me and just like get me out of the house and. Um, just to help me feel accepted and, um, he has always told me that I am like beautiful regardless of what my body looks like. And I've, I've known that I was just like, Cole is just such a genuine human. Um, and since I started dating him, like I've never struggled. And Mm -hmm. so I don't, I think that a lot of that was just me coming to love myself but when you have somebody who loves you, no matter what you like, yeah. it, it is, that's so healing to the soul. Like you can heal yourself, but sometimes you do just needs an external source of just genuine
0: love that like heals you. Um, so, I mean, how important do you think for, for someone struggling this, with this right now to have somebody
2: yeah.
0: to lean on? And st- I mean, it yeah. sounded like a lot of the years you weren't telling anybody you yeah. were, like you said, you were hiding. hiding it. Yeah. I mean, do you think it would have helped to talk? I mean, I know it's it's really hard to be vulnerable, and, and especially with something like yeah. that, to, to tell your mom or, or whoever, but yeah. I mean, do you think that's so important to have someone, a rock, anybody to yeah, talk to? Yeah,
2: it's crucial. And I, I, like, I'm now thinking that there's some details that I missed. So, like, I did go to a therapist a couple times, and this mm-hmm. was when I first got down the, bulim- the bulimic path. And I was like, this just isn't really helping for me like she's Mm -hmm. giving me some good like talk therapy things and some things I can write about in my journal so I think I can do this on my own like I I didn't see her um I would try to talk to my mom about it a little bit but um she I don't I I don't know like some of it was my mom is so loving yeah but I think that she just didn't understand what I was dealing with and there was extent maybe yeah, yeah like the a lot of the issues I was having were just like with one of my sisters, frankly, mm-hmm. and like it's it's just hard to like cope with your family when some of the struggle is. Well, how do you vent your to your family. mom about your sister? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there, there, was a lot of things that I was dealing with in my life, and I and all of the eating just was a coping mechanism, and so. Um,
0: I mean, I feel like that's kind of what Sadie said a little bit about mm-hmm. about the control aspect yeah. of it. That she there was so much craziness in her life, and this was the one thing she could control yeah in, in her life yeah. and i think that's really common yeah. with this type of thing yeah.
2: i think that a lot of people they uh, you know it is like just a desire to be thin because they've felt fat their whole life and they just it's just a self esteem thing a lot of people it's just a control thing yeah um a lot of it is genetic too like addictions can run in families and so i felt like that there was a lot of things that were in play in my situation so um yeah between like the my my parents honestly were very supportive my sisters were very supportive but um it it did like they weren't the ones that were gonna get me out of this yeah um it, it would come down to me and just some divine intervention and I think that my husband became the divine intervention
1: um so, yeah. Oh, I love Cole. I know, I, I love, love that. Cole. And I love that really the scriptures helped you a lot too. Yeah, they're kind things. of having an eternal perspective, kind of put you in that good mindset where, like, I don't like that I'm doing this. And I see in kind of the eternal perspective why it's bad and why it's hurting me. And I love that. And I like that. I mean, I think we need someone Christ like in our lives yeah. like that. I think a lot of it comes from God. And Cole was that Christ like person, yeah. you know, that had that love for you and kind of
0: allowed you to love yeah. yourself
1: too and helped you a
0: lot so I love that yeah. when I think too I love what you shared that talk too because I mean we are on the earth and like we're gonna struggle and Satan does have power over us yeah. and I think sometimes I mean I do this I'm frustrated I'm like why am I why am I struggling with this like I know better like I'm like I was raised in the gospel like I have awesome parents. Like, why am I sad? Why am I anxious? Like, I get on myself. I'm like, I shouldn't feel this way. Like, oh, there's worse out there. People are dealing with more and I'm, you know, I mean, but it's like, no, we're all on this earth dealing with things and it's okay to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I get on myself and I get ashamed. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. (laughs) (laughs) When I think that there's just two principles
2: that have probably kept me out of an eating disorder and it's one that I know Satan is absolutely real like I've I've had multiple experiences where I I just I know that he's real um the second principle is that I am a daughter of God and he loves me and he's shown me that um and so when you can kind of understand those two things it's like anything that's making me not feel God's love and is making me feel less than and that I'm not good enough, and that I shouldn't accept myself—that's Satan. And so, if if that's if any of those things are that. coming to my head, shut those out. I'm not going to lose the battle to you anymore. Like God loves me, and so it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Honestly,
0: yeah. so I
2: mean, do you feel like too? Is this
0: is a lifetime struggle? Do you ever? Um, so I I, I mean, just for those I mean, yeah, that have you, you did relapse, you yeah. know, back when you got from your mission. So it's okay to. Yeah. You know you're gonna have that roller coaster of
2: yeah. So healing. I mean I I had the eating disorder for four and a half years. I've now not had it for four and a half years. So you can I overcome like. it. So yeah. I, I feel like at this point, I feel like yeah I've I've overcome it. Um, but I still have a long life ahead of me. Like yeah. I I absolutely hope and pray that it never comes back. I do think that I have some really good tools in my belt now that I can use if that does come up, but. I hit rock bottom, like, hating myself, loathing myself, and it wasn't necessarily even my body, it was just my weakness, and, like, just this addiction, and how dishonest I was, like, those are the things that I hated, yeah. and so I had to reach that now to, like, actually have a lot of confidence in myself, and I think that I have a, a healthier view of myself now than I think a yeah. lot of girls my age have.
0: Well, and, I mean, you're, you're major... We should have mentioned yeah. that at the beginning of this, but nutrition. Yeah. I mean, you majored in that and you yeah. have such a good outlet, outlook yeah. on food now and yeah. you help other people who have yeah. celiacs or struggle with these things. And so, yeah. I mean, you took this thing that you hated about yourself and you actually have been helping yeah. people and helping yourself. It's, it's cool to see yeah. that. When it, kinda, it,
2: so that's, I think, where I'm still trying to find a balance is because I do love fitness and wellness and nutrition and those things. I'm also a, a personal trainer, but I... I always have to be careful that I'm not getting too obsessive about any yeah. of those things. So I try to not read as many health art articles as I used to. Like, I do not go to women's health magazine. Any, yeah. You know, just some of these things that it's just, like, uh, it's just an article that just has, like, clickbait on it to get people who want to lose weight. You know, just some of those things. Mm-hmm. And now I'll just try to base it more on science. And um, So, yeah, I like, I hope that I'll never struggle with it again. Um, but I think that social media, like if if you're living in this world right now, you're gonna come into these things that make you feel yeah. insecure. So like, you could go on social media, and if you follow a fitness influencer, somebody's gonna look at like a yoga or a Pilates instruction, and be like, "Wow, I want her body. Mm-hmm. I so I need to do the workouts that she's doing." Or you you may look at, like, a bodybuilder girl and be like, wow, she's too bulky, so I'm not gonna do those things, Mm -hmm. like... Yeah. (laughs) So if, if, if you're seeing all these bodies, these healthy bodies, like, it just is hard for us to you know just accept our own body because we always want to look like these other bodies
0: and so. we're also different too i mean the things that are going to work for you and you aren't going to work for me yeah and my and metabolism our, yeah, yeah our
2: genetics so we have the body frames that we're going to have like our, our weight and our fat can fluctuate yeah but like there's a lot of things that you just can't change and so at some point you're like you just need to accept that this is who you are mm-hmm. and and your friendships are are not based off of the way that your body yeah, looks it doesn't matter really no. And that was the th- one thing that I, now looking back on it, it's like, my friends didn't leave me because mm. I was skinny, or that I had gained weight, and they didn't stay because I was skinny or that I gained yeah. weight. Mm. Like, they were just it there was who because you were. they me. Yeah. 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 Who
1: you were. I love that. Thank you so much for you sharing all that. And <laughs> no, It really, really helped me. Like, I felt the spirit, and I'm like, I oh my too. gosh. Like, it was amazing. I guess, just in closing, what would you say to someone that is struggling with this right now?
2: Um kind of like what I what I just barely had said that people the the people who you should keep in your life um, do not care what you look like Um, they are going to love you for every part of you whether you're 10 pounds heavier 20 pounds lighter it just doesn't matter Um, if you have some people in your life who are making comments about your body and make you feel like you need to lose weight um, <laughs> cut those friends out. Like, give them time to heal, and maybe you can get those friends back, but I think, yeah, we just need to get rid of those those mean Talk-sec, voices, yeah. the toxic voices, whether that's on social media, that's through friends, family, you know, just yeah, get rid of the bad, get more good, and in, in. yeah. I love and that. And if you need to see a therapist, see a therapist. Yeah. It didn't necessarily work for me but i know that there are people who need that and that's like totally okay and well i, and I think that. it's
0: different for everyone too yeah. i think that's what i've learned from what you've said is this didn't work for you but and yeah. this did and, and so try different things yeah, the point well. is get help it's okay get, to get, get help. help get
2: help in whatever way that can and i am a, you know i do have a strong testimony um in prayer and that god hears our prayers and start, you know, start there. I think that the Book of Mormon always fills our lives and our bodies with just light and power. Um, so also trust that that actually can help you. It helped me. Yeah. So
0: Well, thank you for being so vulnerable. I mean, this isn't easy to talk about, and yeah. we really appreciate it. We think it's going to help oh, thank you guys. a lot That's of people cool. to hear that. So yeah. thank you. You're Thanks amazing. So much She's to... wonderful. We love her. She is. Don't
1: forget <laughs> to like and subscribe. And we will see you all next week. XOXO. Gospel, Gospel gals. gals.